We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Saturday evening. Feels weird doing a, a post-game recap on Saturday, but uh, here we are to discuss a little bit of the Chargers game against the Bills. You know, for the most part here, we're going to be zeroing in more on the Chargers head coach and GM search. And it'll be a really fun episode that Tyler and I are, are really excited about discussing with you guys. Um, but we'll have some quick thoughts about the game since it was an entertaining game prime time, I guess, on Peacock. Um, but uh, we'll see what it is. But uh, joining me as always is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Great, man. I'm on break. That game was very entertaining and the Chargers lost. It was the greatest loss uh, I can recall in quite some time. You know, I know the players aren't trying to lose. Yeah. You know, we were all kind of rooting for a loss. The Chargers weren't <sighs> mathematically eliminated. They are now. I'm assuming there's no more scenarios where they could make it. So, yay. You know, the Chargers didn't uh, lose their draft spot there. In fact, they probably moved up just a little bit. So, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, we'll see what the draft implications are, obviously. But uh, the Chargers, I think, heading into today had a less than 1% chance of making the playoffs. That is obviously a zero. But I think, obviously, the the win-loss, to me, didn't really matter. I think for the most part, what I wanted to see from this team is for them to respond to coach Giff Smith, shout out to uh, interim head coach Giff Smith and uh, see how they would fight, see how they would respond. And also like 
some of these young players getting new opportunities, see how Easton Stick would, would respond. Um, and I think for the most part, there was mostly positives in that regard. Um, there were certainly some errors. Obviously, this team is the, – the season is what it is at this point in time. Um, but I, I think they fought hard. I think the game was competitive when nobody else really thought it was going to be competitive. I mean, the Bills were 12.5-point favorites. Like, nobody thought that the Chargers were going to be in this game. Um, and, and I think, you know, credit to Giff Smith and his coaching staff. They had a great plan today. They took the ball away three times to run the Bills today. It just overall was a fantastic effort, and uh, thankfully they also lost. <laughs> right, exactly. It's funny how we look at games like this because if it were Brandon Staley and Telesco and all the staff were still here, it's, oh, the Chargers blew a fourth quarter lead again, that sort of thing, yeah. which they did, but it felt different. And really early on, you could tell, you know, the defense was playing very hard. The offense had a different game, like a completely different game plan. This is what I expected the Chargers to have the previous week for Easton Stick. Um, instead, we see it this week, and it really seemed to pay off overall for him, for the offense, for the most part for protection issues. Um, it seemed to hold up until it didn't. And then as some people are pointing yeah. out in the chat, then the the Chargers things that plagued him throughout the year yeah. started to pop up again. These things, it's not just a head coach that is responsible for those things. So the other things that plagued the Chargers this year popped up. But you can't question the, the effort and the intensity that was out there. Chargers almost won, and they did the right thing by almost winning. <laughs> yes. You know, you mentioned, like, the, the the issues that I've always plagued them. Like, that sequence at the end where Easton Stick gets sacked, it's it's a 100% a coaching thing. I know Jamari got beat by Ed Oliver. Like, I'm not going to say that he didn't get beat. But the Bills were rushing three, and they slid protection to the left when the right side had the two rushers so they had basically brendan hyman zion and slater blocking one one player and then jamari and trey pipkins were blocking two players like just stupid coaching stuff like that continues to pop up and it's all season long and i know that this is their third string center you know this is a backup quarterback but ed oliver was the only guy giving you problems tonight the only guy like von miller was a non-factor greg russo was a non-factor you know, your tackles have played extremely well. And the only player from the Bills who was consistently getting pressure was Ed Oliver. Like, I don't know, maybe double team that guy in a clutch situation. And it's the same thing when they when they played the Titans in week two. Like, maybe double team Jeffrey Simmons. He's their best defensive pass rusher. Like, it's just things like that about Kellen Moore that I've really grown, like, really sick of. Like, I, I don't know what his chances are of coming back. But, I like, I, the, the attention to detail is just not there. And it's stuff like this tonight. Like, it, it, it's so simple. Just tell Brennan Hymas and whoever is the guard on, against Ed Oliver, just double team him. It, it's that simple. Just coaching, like, fine details like that are really eluding, you know, uh, Kellen Moore right now. And I'm just kind of kind of over it. Yeah, I agree. We've talked about this quite a bit. Um, again, like, early on, I, I thought they were moving and they were humming and Easton Stick. Did I like a draw play on third down that definitely did not work? <laughs> No, I did not. But they tried to get Easton Stick on the move. And while that play didn't pay off, many more paid off. But then, yeah, like like you said, just the protection issues, just, you know, nothing new there, unfortunately. And, and you know, part of it at some point, like Easton Stick should probably just throw the ball away on some moments. You can't take yeah. a sack three separate times in field goal range. Can't do that. But still, you got to also help him out, too, and understand this is, a, this is your backup quarterback. Yeah, so... Uh, good question from uh, Ash Holick here. Um, the protection plans it, during the week, it's a collaborative effort. 
it's the offensive line coaches, obviously Brendan Nugent, Sean Surratt. It is Kellen Moore. It is the quarterback room in general. During the week, it's all collaborative. But during the game, Kellen Moore is the one who calls the plays and says, this is where our protection is. Like you have to run this, this protection. So the protection plans are built into all of the play calls. So the protection plan throughout the week is everybody. But during the game, it is specifically Kellen who calls this thing. And then they get to the sideline and they try and, you know, make some adjustments. And the offensive line coach works with the offensive line. They get with the quarterback and everything like that. You make everything adjust during the game. But at the end of the day, it is Kellen's responsibility to say, hey, we're going to run this play. Make sure you account for Ed Oliver. We're going to run this play. Make sure you account for Vaughn Miller, whoever the star pass rusher is. Make sure you account for Max Crosby. So this is, I, I think, a great question. Um, you know, because it, like it's a lot of Killamore versus Joe Lombardi talk, like Dan Popper was talking about it on uh on House with Pop the other night. It's everybody, but during the game, it is Kellen's responsibility to ultimately yeah. set protections the right way. Yeah, and it's you know, whatever they do in the meetings, whether they do in practice and film study, whatever, it might work. Like honestly, these issues don't really pop up usually in the first half. Like whatever plan they had going into it seems to be okay. And then the defensive coordinator consistently always adjusts and finds something on that final drive in the fourth quarter. They find a way. So then at that point, yeah, it is on Kellen Moore because he is not prepared for the the counterpunch or whatever it is from the coordinator. Yeah. And I know that there's like a lot of comparisons, but the, the Chargers offense was not exactly great protection under Joe Lombardi either. I mean, last year their pressure rate was, was just as high as it is this year. So again, some injuries, things like that. Um, but, uh, it is what it is. Oh, nice. We got, uh, Jason Rosenberg in here in the chat. Jason was the winner of the Christmas giveaway that we did. So hopefully he, uh, enjoyed the game. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the seats. Shout out to powder blue drew who on Twitter, who's the one I, I bought the tickets from. So, uh, appreciate you guys. And, uh, glad Jason's in the chat right now. Yeah. A lot of people, well, not a lot of people, some people, a few people, and they also DM'd me or, or messaged me went to the game and i'm glad that you did yeah. um one of the guys in my groomsmen my wedding party whatever kelly um, yeah. he went to the game and he you know wore a santa outfit and had a blast like nice. I- i'm happy for those who actually went why god knows why you probably bought your tickets <laughs> six months ago yeah. um waiting for that afc playoff push game but i'm glad you had a good time like i know the chargers lost but that's kind of the outcome we all wanted anyway yeah yeah, um, th- there are some takes that we can get into later on, but uh, I we have to give a shout out tonight to Cameron Dicker. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the man is just ice in his veins, clutch kicker. Like the the, the broadcast crew tonight, like when the, the final sequence is coming down for the Chargers offense, they're like, man, they got a big decision. Do they kick it tonight? I'm like, this is a routine field goal kicker for Cameron Dicker. Like this is no sweat at all for me. Like the, the man is... To me, one of the best kickers in the league. So I, I agree with Frank in the chat. Cameron Dicker needs to be voted to the Pro Bowl. Everybody in here, make sure you go vote tonight for Cameron Dicker. Um, the Chargers were rightfully adding the tag to every single field goal that he made tonight. Um, it's just, it it's incredible to really look back at having Cameron Dicker and Dustin Hopkins on the roster. And both of them, I, you could make an argument that both of them are the best kickers in the AFC this year. Um, it's just been incredible. But Cameron Dicker specifically, um, just love watching him kick. He's hilarious. Those videos that the Chargers made with him were awesome. Uh, I asked Darius Davis yesterday, 
uh, on Thursday about him. And, and he's like, that's who he is every day. Like the man just loves to have fun. He's a great guy to be around. And then he's just an incredible kicker too. So he is a free agent at the end of the season. So uh certain kicker in Chicago just got paid. And uh, I would expect Mr. Cameron Dicker to get paid as well in the offseason. So shout out to Cameron Dicker. Go vote for him in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, incredible. I think you pointed out you didn't feel worried at all when he went off for the 53-yarder. I'm I'm past that point, honestly, of being worried. Sure, if you start, you know, if you show me 59 yards, 69 or 60 yards, sure, like I'll start getting a bit worried. But, you know, whereas going into this year, we were so worried about those 50-plus kicks from Cameron Dicker because he didn't hit one. Now it's like, yeah, sure, we're good. And it was yeah. good. And it was good. It could have been eight more yards. It was right down the middle. I mean, it just looks easy now. Now it's just easy for him. He's automatic. The Chargers have had like some good kickers before, but they haven't had automatic in a very long time. And that's what it feels like with Cameron Dicker. Hasn't missed an extra point in any of the teams he's played for, the two of them. And I think he's missed, what, three field goals in the last two years. I mean, he's just incredible. Yeah, and I, I forgot to point this out. He now officially has the record for a single season in Chargers history for most kicks beyond 50 yards, which is kind of wow. crazy. So hasn't had a ton of attempts. Would be very interesting to see what his season would look like um, if Giff Smith were his coach instead of a very aggressive uh, Brandon Staley. So um, shout out to Cameron Dicker. Um, oh, he's a restricted free agent. Okay. That would still qualify him as a an extension candidate though, right? Yeah, because didn't Donald Parham wasn't he an RFA? Yeah, he got a two year. Yeah, yeah. So the the restricted free agent, my understanding is that they would be able to match any external offer, but um, he's gonna he's gonna stick around. He's gonna get paid for sure. I, I usually know these things, but ask me in March. Like okay. that's when I know these things. And then <laughs> we're so we're so in on the coaching search. And GM search. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Um, Tyler, anything else you want to discuss before we get to our uh, actual segment of the night? I'll wait a bit longer to discuss this later, but Derwin James being out on like that final third down, uh, that yeah. passing down where the, the Bills converted, stuff like that going in and out of the lineup, that needs to be discussed. But I want to see A, the film, B, the role, and C, the snap count. Yeah, it seemed like he was basically a slot only player, and there were like some snaps here and there, of, like a dime linebacker. Um, so that that's that's definitely something that we can look at after we look at the film, the numbers, and things like that. But, um, Yes, there's there's a ton of other things that we could talk about. Honestly, like this probably is a game that we could do a full recap of, uh, but that's not what we want to do today because the season is over. So <laughs> um, appreciate you guys for tuning in tonight. Um, our our main segment of ta- of conversation is going to be the big four. Um, so what we have done tonight is prepare a a segment about each of the top head coaching candidates, and we've tried to assemble a GM and an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator. We're going to talk about some names. I believe that this whole thing can really make or break how you feel about a specific head coach. Like I know that there's going to be a lot of like, I want this head coach or that head coach. But when you look at like the staff that they could put together, it really can, I think, elevate or also, you know, deescalate a potential candidate in terms of a head coach. So yeah, um, we did a ton of research into this. I'll let Tyler kind of explain the process here, but uh, I'm really excited about this one. When we came up with this, I think this is a really great way to visualize what the hiring of the head coach and GM can really look like. Yeah. So we're going to go through, I believe 43 different unique names here. 
Now, this is not an exercise where we're taking the best GM candidate, the best head coach candidate, the best offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator and sticking them together, at least not intentionally. Because you can, sure, mix and match with different player people and personnel from different teams, different college, NFL, you name it. We're trying to match people based on connections, which allows us to flesh out more of this. Like, we could sit here and tell you, okay, we're going to talk about Harbaugh, Ben Johnson, and like the best guys we can connect to them, and that's it. You guys can do that, or we can do this at a later time. But today, we really wanted to talk about connections because that's kind of what it ends up being, especially for some of these guys like a Harbaugh. You know, yeah. the connections are going to matter, although I'm sure a lot of different, you know, um, coaches, staff members, et cetera, would want to join him with the Chargers if he if he chose to join. So um, there needs to be – the rules for this were that the GM and the head coach had to have some sort of connection. And then to pick an offensive or defensive coordinator, there needed to be a connection between the OC, or the offensive coordinator, and the defensive coordinator to at least one of the head coach and the GM. And then it had to be realistic. So they had to be available or they're projected to be available because they're, they're going to blow up that staff or whatever. Or – they would receive a promotion. Maybe it's like an Eric Bieniemy type thing where they move and get the associate head coach title, or they aren't the play caller, so they're going to be the play caller now, etc. That sort of thing. So that's kind of that's kind of how we formed our big four. So there's a lot of different names here. If you want to make your perfect one, fine. We also tried to avoid repeating a lot of the names. Like we could have yeah. put some people as defensive coordinator for like six of these. You know, a lot of we're, a lot of people are trying to pull from the same like 49ers, for example. We could fill a lot of this with just 49ers members, but that's boring. So we try to do more. I think we'll talk about, I think, 44 different people tonight. Yeah, like Tyler pointed out, like there's always the chances that a coach hires out of his connection scheme. There's always the chance that uh, somebody like Dennis Allen, for example, could get fired here and he could become a very hot defensive coordinator candidate. Um, you know, like you look at what Vic Vangio and his cycle last year um, he's not somebody that was directly tied to Mike McDaniel but he was the most popular defensive coordinator hiring out there and Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins went out there and, and paid for him so um, we're, di- we're just doing the big four um, we'll mention mostly connections if not you know there are some that are pseudo connections I, I would hope to answer Carlos's question that Ryan Ficken is sticking around that's another thing we could talk about I mean the man does nothing but coach elite special teams players i mean aj finley is suddenly this amazing gunner after dean leonard was an amazing gunner after just taylor was an amazing gunner so ryan ficken definitely deserves to be talked about and and we did mention some possible connections of of other coaches previously with him so i would assume that the chargers organization that has watched terrible special teams for the last 15 years would be very interested in retaining mr ryan ficken yeah, no, 100%. In these scenarios, we're assuming Ryan Ficken stays. And frankly, as I sort of joke, but I'm serious about, if a head coach comes in or GM comes in and goes, yeah, we're, we don't need Ryan Ficken, show them the door. Like, they're an idiot. <laughs> so you can't find somebody better. You're not going to find no. somebody better. No, he's he's literally, I think, when if he's not the best special teams coordinator in the league, he's right up there two or three. So, uh, you know, the, that needs to be a requirement, in my opinion, for whoever is, is coming to head coach. Like, there's... You know, Dan Quinn and the special teams coordinator for the Cowboys are tight. Like, I'm sorry. Like, no, no, no. You That guy's staying in Dallas. Like, I don't <laughs> care. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's Ready? let's dive in here. Yep. Go ahead. All right. So the first one we are going to mention here is uh, Jim Harbaugh. He's obviously the most popular head coaching candidate. I was really interested to see 
just how much everybody wanted him. And so I, I tweeted out a poll of if him, Bill Belichick, and Mike Tomlin were available, who would you choose? Mike Tomlin has since it's since come out that the Steelers want to extend him. Um, and Jim Harbaugh got like 80% of the poll anyway. So I know everybody wants Jim Harbaugh. We're on that, not on that same page. Um, Tyler, what did you, what did you, you make of like the potential connections here for Jim Harbaugh? Yeah, to me, the, the lucky one was finding Evero from the, the Panthers currently, um, formerly with the 49ers initially as an assistant on special teams, then on offense and then on defense. It's funny how he kind of worked his way, um, around there. Now, of course he's still employed by the Panthers. But eventually, they're probably going to change things. Hey, it could be Ben Johnson stuff. And they'd be smart to retain Evero, but sure. it's not guaranteed. They've already fired their coach. There's a lot of change on the way over there. So he could definitely be out there. And my computer just froze. There we go. Um, the one that I really like in terms of one history and two, just personality based on quotes you find is Ed Dodds. We were going to go with a different GM here. We'll talk about that person later. So it's not like they're not on here. You yeah. could slide him in here, and I would not be—I would not have an issue with that at all. Um, but Dodds, given what he did with this with Seattle, in particular that Legion of Boom, um, and now working with the Colts and what they've been able to do, um, I really like that. They, the, I think it was PFF that pointed out that there wasn't really much of an analytics research development team until he got there with the Colts, and once he got there, they really started to lean into that more. So really good there. Um, but the quote that I think is just—I think would fit right with Jim Harbaugh is he was with the Colts and they had just they had won a wild card game but they didn't make it out of the postseason um and so his quote because I guess the, the other scouts or whoever it was were just you know yay we won the wild card game or whatever and the media was like they're going to be really good next year and the quote from from Dodds um assistant general manager is this not safe for work so here we go three two one we ain't done shit yet. We want a fucking wild card game. I just felt like everyone was jacked. We're on this win streak. And I'm kind of like, what the fuck does it matter? If we don't go to a Super Bowl, so what? A couple of injuries, bomb a couple of draft picks, no one in the pipeline to replace the players you lost. You got to be relentless. You can't stop. I don't. Love that. That's, yeah. very much so yeah. a, that's very much so a departure, right? Not, not that Tulaska never swore or anything, but it, it feels like a departure. And that aligns so much, I think, with Harbaugh. It's a it's a complete overdrive. Like I don't give a flying fart about making the postseason anymore. It's about winning the Super Bowl, and sure, it is for some teams. But Harbaugh's a guy who obviously can, you know, can walk the walk. And Dodds is someone who's going to, I think, in terms of vision, align there. So the the tougher one for me was offensive coordinator for Jim Harbaugh. Now. In this exercise, we made it more difficult on ourselves because Harbaugh is going to be able to pull probably anybody. Yeah. Uh, any any candidate who's available, he's going to be able to pull them. We went with Pep Hamilton because of the connection to Justin Herbert and, of course, to Harbaugh. It was the, the freest I think I've seen Herbert look, even though Herbert's been in a better offense in 2021. I love the way that Herbert was playing in 2020, and he's only grown since. So I think that's a nice like quarterback whisperer sort of way. Um, the interesting one, what kind of threw a, a wrench in everything for us, was Sharon Moore, the interim head coach for the um, Michigan Wolverines right now. Want to know, um, the question is really just whether he decides to leave and join Jim Harbaugh or become the head coach at Michigan. And both are possible. Um, I definitely didn't consider this because I think if Harbaugh leaves, he'd be the head coach for, for Michigan. But Brett Coleman threw it out there, so we decided to bring it up here. And we'll talk about more a bit later on. Yeah, so getting to the Dodds, I, I loved that. 
story, uh, you know, reading about all of these GM candidates and and his personality, I think shines through the most in terms of his, you know, aggressive nature. But at the same time, there was another story where when C became the assistant GM, he felt like his job was essentially to calm down Chris Ballard and also Jim Ursay. And there was the story from two drafts ago, the Colts had uh, two picks in the seventies and they really loved Jelani Woods and they really love, I forget who the other player was, but it was two players in the seventies that they both really liked. And Chris Ballard Pierce. was, huh? I think it was Pierce. Yes. Alec Pierce. Um, anyways, so Chris Ballard was, was getting really antsy and he wanted to trade up. He wanted to make sure he got one of those two guys. And Jim Ursay was also getting really antsy. He wanted to make sure he got one of those two guys because they both, I guess, you know, loved those two players. And Ed Dodds took it upon himself to just be like, hey, like, let's relax. Let's play the board. Let's trust our process. He actually bet Chris Ballard money that the players would both be on the board at their respective picks. They both were. They came away with those draft picks. And Ed Dodds, you know, had the I told you so moment. So it's hard to argue with his track record of, of draft success. And, and again, you know, the Colts is a very collaborative effort, obviously, as, as we know. But, you know, you look at the Colts and under Frank Reich, they had the most pro bowlers in the league one year. This past season, we all raved about their draft. The draft before that was a fantastic draft. So, you know, they, they've they've been able to put together a really fantastic roster. And I think if you pair him with a guy like Jim Harbaugh, you just have like unlimited resources for the kind of staff you can build. So, you know, Shello Man pointing out like Anthony Weaver for the Ravens, defensive line coach for DC. Jim Harbaugh mm-hmm. is going to have that kind of pull, but he's not directly tied to Anthony Weaver. He is right. directly tied to Ed Dodds. So Ed Dodds was a scout in Oakland when Jim Harbaugh was a quarterback's coach. And that's how the two are, are paired together. They were in Oakland at the same time for two years. And I know that Ed Dodds is not like the hottest candidate, but I think that's also plays into the Chargers' favors because if you hire Jim Harbaugh, he's going to have a good amount of say in the roster, if not like final say on the roster. And so you need a guy like Ed Dodds that comes with that kind of credibility, comes with the relationship, comes with the ability to, you know, kind of adapt adapt his personality to who he's working with. And I think this pairing would, would, would work really well together. So I would be a huge fan if the Chargers could get Jim Harbaugh and Ed Dodds and uh, just kind of go from there. Yeah, me as well. I think the first two coaches for Telesco, I couldn't tell that there was much alignment between the GM's vision and the offensive coordinators or coaches vision i don't know that they were officially aligned with staley but at least telesco it seemed like found a way to acquire everyone that staley wanted for better or worse uh, one of those players was just waived yesterday so <laughs> not that everything works out but at least like there was they were working together and, and telesco got staley what he needed or wanted and it just didn't work out so to have someone immediately come in if jim harbaugh he, like, he's going to have final say part of the contract is is also just he's going to have final say I Mm -hmm. believe Popper even said that Staley had final say in this roster. There's no way that Jim Harbaugh is not going to have final say if Staley had final say, which at least on the defensive side, he did. So get Dodds in there, get their relationships in there. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with this group, honestly. Offensive coordinator, what will likely happen is he probably pulls someone who's a really, really good candidate or just because he can pull from anywhere. It's Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, They'll pull from somewhere and they'll be amazing and they'll probably be a head coach in a year or something. Um, so it's probably not Pepe Hamilton, Pepe Hamilton in the long run, yeah. but I do think that like in terms of connections, it's a good fit. 
And even if Pep is not the offensive coordinator, he could come back and be the quarterback's coach. And I think that it probably yeah, suits totally. him more for what he's done. He, I think he's working for NFL Network right now. I don't think he's currently like coaching by any means. But Sharon Moore is certainly interesting to me. Um, he could obviously be the future head coach at Michigan. I think that's you know in the realm of possibilities. You know, he's coached. Um, you know, three or four games on his own as the head coach at Michigan. He beat Ohio State as the head coach. Like, this is a guy who certainly has some momentum in that building, in that program. But at the same time, this is the same guy who cried on national television how much he loved coaching under Jim Harbaugh. So I do think that there is a chance that he would come with him. Again, maybe not as the offensive coordinator. This is a guy who has a great background working with tight ends as well as the offensive line at Michigan. I mean, look at the the great, you know, Michigan tight end pipeline that's kind of, you know, come to fruition recently with Luke Schoonmaker and Jake Butt and all these guys. And and Sheryl Moore is the one that has been kind of spearheading that. So I think ultimately Jim Harbaugh can make a, a offensive coordinator hire, like whatever he wants it to be. But from a connection standpoint, it, it would be Pep Hamilton or Sheryl Moore. And then, you know, we can figure out the rest. So um he can pull anywhere we, we like the point anywhere thing like him and his brother have shared resources in the past so originally we did have joe uh hortiz 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 on here but he's directly tied to ed dodds and i think the personalities would match up there yeah hortiz hortiz yeah apologies if i if i say someone's name wrong i, I don't really hear a lot of assistant gm names uh brought up very much yeah so. this is my first time hearing it, is me saying it yeah so, but the, the power couple here, obviously, is Harbaugh and Dodds, mm-hmm. and then everything kind of goes from there. Yep. All right, Tyler, let's get to uh, Ben Johnson. We talked about this a little bit. Um, <laughs> you mentioned in common names here. Daryl Bevel is uh, connected to basically every head coaching candidate outside of Jim Harbaugh in this staff. And, like, honestly, you could put him in, in connection for offensive coordinator for any of these guys. But I think mm-hmm. specifically for Ben Johnson, I think that that pairing makes a lot of sense. Um, the GM pairing here is is maybe a little bit more under the radar. I do think Ray Agnew is definitely worth interviewing. Um, you know, being somebody who learned under Les Snead and the Rams, and and obviously Brad Holmes now with the Lions, he's definitely somebody I'm interested in. But I, I know he's not like a a super hot name out there in terms of the GM search. But um, him and Ben Johnson, I think together would do a lot of great things. Ray Agnew, for what it's worth, is a former NFL player too. And I think that does carry some weight as well as he's, you know, built his career from a personnel standpoint. Yeah, I believe he was a first rounder in the 1990 by the Patriots is what it was. Uh, yeah. Been a minute for sure. Uh, unfortunately, was not with the Rams when they won the Super Bowl, but brought in a lot of players, whether, well, okay, I shouldn't say that. You don't officially know who did what, and technically he wasn't the general manager nor the head coach, obviously, who can make yeah. decisions, but during the time with the Rams, brought in a lot of guys, brought in Gerald Everett, brought in Cooper Cup, um, John Johnson, Reynolds, uh, Samson Abukam, Noteboom, Franklin Myers, um, Sebastian Joseph Day, um, Okoronkwo, those guys traded for Jalen Ramsey during that same tenure. So I brought in a lot of guys there. And I really think the, the cool thing is that he's got two different philosophies, at least that he was, you know, he brought up under. Not that the Lions haven't been aggressive, but I mean, these two teams have literally worked with each other to trade players. The Rams have been really aggressive, um, at least in that particular time. They're more aggressive trading away picks with the Lions. We've seen them trade back in the draft. We've seen them acquire picks, um, trade away Matthew Stafford, obviously, and do things different ways. 
So I think he'd be comfortable doing different things. The big one for me that I, I was, we were going to talk about a different player. And then I about stood up and cheered when I, when I found <laughs> the connections here for Terrell Williams and yeah. Ben Johnson here, um, Ben Johnson and him are connected um, through the dolphins where he was the defensive line coach for three seasons while Ben Johnson was there. He's currently the defensive line coach for the Tennessee Titans. And, like, and that already as is, is great. I want what the Titans defensive line has because they kick ass all the time. Yeah. They're a great defensive line. They're well coached. Sometimes they'll bring in a free agent, resurrect their career for a year, send them off, that sort of thing. They're fantastic. What's great, though, is he's also become the associate head coach with Vrabel, and he even got to coach as the head coach um, in a preseason game against the Bears this past season. So yeah. that's fantastic. He's also born in Los Angeles, which is great. And by the way, he was on the Raiders when they were drafted Khalil Mack in the first round of the 2014 draft. So you get a guy who I'm not saying he's got head coach experience, but I'm looking for any little bit of a leg up to help out Ben Johnson as a first time head coach. Yeah. I think that'd be big there. So you get a, a kick ass, you know, defensive line coach who's been an associate head coach who knows Khalil Mack, which would help retain Khalil Mack from Los Angeles. That's great. Um, Agnew, I do really like, and then Bevel, while Bevel has not like, you know, never been like a great coordinator, although he's been an interim head coach twice, which is funny that he's been the interim head coach two different situations. Can't yeah. imagine many guys get to say that. But um, what he's specifically on here for, even if you like another offensive someone to be the coordinator, what he's on here for is more for the experience and to help guide Ben Johnson. He's not the play caller. So you need someone with experience to lean on. So you've got Agnew, yeah. been in the league for a while, been in the NFL. Bevel, been in the league for a while. Terrell Williams, been in the league, great at his job. So I think that's a really, really solid group to put around Ben Johnson. And if you tell me you can find, you know, if you can put a, you know, everyone's saying, okay, the Chargers aren't like the Lions. They don't have the Lions talent. Okay, that's fine. Let's get the coordinator who calls the plays. <laughs> if we have the Lions talent, let's get yeah. someone who has built either both the Rams and help build the Rams and help build the Lions to be, you know, the contender for the Rams then, the Lions now bring in that guy and then Terrell Williams have fun. You know, if the chargers are, are selecting lots in the first round, they're going to kick some ass along the defensive line. So I think it's a really, really good group. And this is like kind of what makes me excited about Ben Johnson. Everyone's just talking about Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson. But what if you could also bring in some of these guys who I think would all be really, really solid options for them. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a lot of things here, but I think from an alignment standpoint, you bring in a guy who's just built his offense around like physicality and aggression and you pair him with a GM candidate who's kind of learned how to be aggressive in a variety of different ways here. Um, and that is something that Ian Rappaport mentioned is that they want a forward thinking GM candidate that which makes a lot of sense. You know, under Tom Telesco, there's all these like rigid rules that the team has has seemingly followed. That's not that's not quoting anything about anything, but like. We know how just like not flexible Tom Telesco has been. Ray Agnew, like you mentioned, has been aggressive in acquiring players. He's been aggressive in acquiring picks. And I think that helps his candidacy. You pair Ben Johnson and an aggressive GM with a guy like Terrell Williams, who I, I think for me, when I picture like what I want the Chargers defense to look like going forward is an aggressive physical defense. And it's the same kind of thing on offense. I think this is really tying together the physicality and aggressive standpoint in a variety of different ways. And I think, you know, you could certainly pair Ben Johnson with Chris Kasurik. 
I think Chris Kasurik has a little bit more stronger ties to a guy who we're going to mention in a, in a little bit here. Yes. Um, so Terrell Williams, I think, was with Ben Johnson for longer. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's, you know, made his money a different way. He's coached mostly defensive tackles, but it's just a it's just a, an idea that I love here is pairing the aggressive physical head coach with an aggressive GM and an aggressive physical defensive coordinator that I think would pair just beautifully together. And I think this is part of the reason why I'm trying to encourage people that are out on Ben Johnson to look and see like what you can get from a Ben Johnson hire is the staff that he can bring with. And you can mitigate the lack of experience with a super experienced GM candidate, a super experienced offensive coordinator and a great defensive coordinator like Terrell Williams. So like just picture the staff. It's not just about Ben Johnson, who I think is, objectively a great candidate but it's also about who he can bring with him and i think you can see what that looks like here yeah you bring in terrell williams you have probably retained gift smith in some capacity maybe gift smith isn't the, the associate head coach for the chargers sure you have ben johnson agnew can help out with the trenches or even just everyone can just help resurrect what the chargers already have and with ben johnson with terrell williams the common thing there is they kick ass in the trenches yeah. like the, the chargers will kick ass in the trenches with these two guys that is for sure uh, not that you know, like someone like Harbaugh can't do that. Of course, they they've always done that. But if you're trying to find some sort of edge and you want to find what the Chargers are not great at, I think, I mean, whooping ass in the trenches is a good place to start. Yeah. Briefly, uh, Tanner Engstrand, who's mentioned mm-hmm. as an alternate OC candidate, is the Lions' tight end coach. Um, that's where Ben Johnson made his money in, initially. Was as a tight ends coach. He's worked with re- receivers as well. Um, so Tanner Engstrom, I believe, is recently elevated as a passing game coordinator. He's kind of uh, Ben's right-hand man, if you will, designing the offense. And then Bo Hardigree is the current interim offensive coordinator for the Raiders. They were together in Miami. Um, You know, again, kind of finding a way to gain some experience. Bo Hardigree, obviously calling plays, I think would be uh, a solid get up there as well. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. 
Hey, what's up, Chargers fans? Make Little Caesars the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame, one hour before NFL games, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, you win. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the tastiest hour before Chargers kickoff. Hey, it's Tyler from the Guilty as Charged podcast. I'm here to talk about prize picks. Prize picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players, and if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. Watch your progress update in real time, win up to 25 times your entry amount, and cash out your winnings with quick scoring, settling, and withdrawals. PrizePix offers frequent discounts, bonuses, and other exciting offers. Players can enjoy community-wide promotions, including weekly promotions like Taco Tuesday and Flex Friday. I've loved using PrizePix so far. This week's I've got Justin Herbert with more than 284.5 passing yards and Keenan Allen with more than 82.5 receiving yards. To make your selections, go to prizepix.com guilty and use code guilty for our first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com guilty and use code guilty for a first deposit match up to $100. All right, Dan Quinn here. This is this is gonna be an interesting one. Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts here. We have uh, obviously Dan Quinn, Will McClay. Will McClay is a, is effectively the GM. I know he's not the actual GM in title because that's Jerry Jones, but Will McClay is the one who basically does all the work. Um, and then we have Kellen Moore still staying on as the uh, as the offensive coordinator, and then Joe Witt, who I think is the linebackers coach in uh, in Dallas right now as the defensive coordinator. I'm curious to get your thoughts here, Tyler, specifically about Kellen Moore, because mm-hmm. I, I think it makes sense that the, Kellen would stay on with Dan Quinn. But what do you think about Dan Quinn maybe being like, hey, like, no, nah, I want to make my own staff. And I'm not sure if Kellen is my guy here, because it's not like he chose Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator in Dallas. He kind of like right. came in after the fact. So what do you think about, you know, Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore pairing up? Do you think it's an actual possibility or do you think Dan Quinn would, would prefer to make his own choices that's a great question i i think that he would go for kellen moore i'm not saying that like we we have two other options listed here who i think could absolutely take the job i think what he would do is then work with kellen moore and bring in some guys he's familiar with to surround kellen moore with maybe the staff that would best suit him kellen moore has been dealing with for the most part everybody from joe lombardi's staff yeah. And I don't know if that's good or bad. You know, how much do they say that's correct or different or doesn't align? I think when it comes to Kellamore, I think that remains and probably Nussmeyer stays if he retains Kellamore. The difference is Dan Quinn helps him find maybe staffers from the Cowboys that Kellamore is familiar with and helps build kind of his vision that way but, or just get things to back to what Kellamore would want to do. Um, but as you, we all know, and we pointed out, like he is also from the Falcons and from the Seahawks. There's a lot of different places he could pull from. So he doesn't have to go make Dallas West Coast over here. Um, I just think for the sake of continuity, I I wouldn't, I still wouldn't mind Kellen Moore returning. And it's, it's funny how looking through so many of these staffs, how often the team gets blown up. And then that guy that was kind of a nobody at the time goes on and becomes somebody for a different team and maybe just needed one more year or two more years Sure. I would hate to do the Shane Steichen thing again. Granted, Shane Steichen never would have been as successful with the Chargers as he was 
going to the Eagles, learning there, developing there, and then going to the Colts. Um, so I think I think that Dan Quinn would keep him, but I'm not going to bet money on it. I think he, it's coin flip. Keeps him, sure, but he could also just easily not keep him. Yeah. I think it's an interesting, interesting discussion because everybody kind of just assumes that the two would be together and that the Chargers would want to you know, hire Dan Quinn for the sake of continuity. But it is an interesting conversation. Dan has spent a lot of time around the Shanahan tree. Obviously, he had Kyle as his offensive coordinator in Atlanta. And so I think that there are there is a real chance where Dan Quinn could get hired and, and just want to carve out his own thing and do this his own way. He's been very picky. He's had he's certainly had other opportunities to leave Dallas. And so I do think that there's a chance that he would like to do it his own way. Um, that being said, we'll we'll see how, how that one goes. I, I think Dan Quinn, the, the biggest challenge here would obviously be able to pull Will McClay with him. Um, if he does, I think you can, again, talk yourself into a very aligned and very well-coordinated roster construction standpoint. Um, Will McClay is effectively in charge of the draft every single year for the Cowboys, and they generally have a, a fantastic draft every single year. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes their process can be a little bit you know, out there at certain times, you know, like Tyler Smith was a very questionable first round pick at the time, but he's become arguably the best left guard in the league right now. So mm -hmm. Will McClay is a stud. I think that pairing him and Dan Quinn together would be a, a lot of fun to see. I know people are, are concerned about Dan Quinn's candidacy, but if that means I get Will McClay as my GM, I think I'm on board with it. Yeah, this would probably be the, maybe other than Harbaugh, like the fastest starting group i don't know how they'll finish i don't know what their ceiling is but everyone's pretty aligned everyone knows each other and i think that they would start off pretty quick um for what it's worth also joe witt jr is the uh secondary coach and passing okay. game coordinator for the cowboys he was also with the falcons with dan quinn in 2020 all right there you go um, i mentioned the ties to the shanahan stuff mike lafleur is the offensive coordinator for the rams right now he does not call plays so moving to the chargers um would give him essentially a promotion um and he would get to work with justin herbert i think that'd be a, a no-brainer for him and then justin outen was the offensive coordinator under the broncos with nathaniel hackett he's been with the packers under matt lafleur um before the broncos dumpster fire he was considered kind of a rising star in the industry so i think that could be an interesting period as well and then al harris is a guy who uh is considered a rising star himself but joe witt mm -hmm. obviously has the specific relationship with Dan Quinn from his days with uh, the Atlanta Falcons as well. Mm -hmm. All right, let's get to uh, Frank Smith here. Interesting candidate. I think this is a coach where this is a Jojo Wooden pairing. I think the idea around potentially hiring Frank Smith is kind of more so riding the ship than reimagining things, if mm -hmm. you will. You know, that supposedly is the Chargers goal here. Um, but Frank Smith, I think it would be more of like a fixer of what currently exists. And so to me, it would make sense to pair Frank and Jojo Wooden back together. Obviously, they're tied together from their uh, days in Los Angeles here. But Tyler, what do you make of of Frank in a GM pairing? Is Jojo kind of the guy you would prefer? Or do you think that um, it would be better to go elsewhere for the GM search? That's so tough because it's difficult to really judge Jojo Wooden and parse out, okay, how much of this was Telesco and other members who maybe let go? How much of that was Jojo Wooden? Um, I, I will say, like, the, the signing of Greer and the letting go of Sebastian Joseph Day are two things I didn't expect this week. 
And 100%. so I, I don't believe that that means that they're going to win a Super Bowl with Jojo Wooden. Um, those two things certainly don't indicate that to me, but it's it's different. And, and so I am curious what his vision would be. Um, there would at least be some connection there, but I don't know how much Frank Smith was really talking to Jojo Wooden and how much they were a part sure. of the, you know, how much Frank Smith was a part of the acquisition as the offensive line coach, run game coordinator when he was there. So, yeah, I, I totally get it though. You know, a lot of people or some people in the chat, I'm sure in our comment section, they want the clean house option. And I think that does make it less attractive for Frank Smith. So I do think if Frank Smith wants the job and the Chargers want to give him that job, that it's going to be more of a, a clean house situation. Does JoJo wouldn't then he would have to be let go before the coaching search? Like how do you how do you navigate mm. that, you know? Not necessarily because the Chargers are going to be doing their GM search at the same time. Like theoretically, JoJo could just get back into his previous role. So JoJo Wooden, for those who don't know, has been the um, director of player personnel. So uh, he's also the assistant GM. So he's kind of more of like the free agency side of things. I know that's been kind of you know, some people are confused about that. Um, I think you could effectively do this at the same time. I don't know. I, I don't think you have to fire Jojo Wooden unless you hire somebody as the GM who wants to fire Jojo Wooden. There's a chance that you hire a new GM and Jojo sticks around. There's also a chance that he gets hired somewhere else. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting one. I don't know if this is the first time we've mentioned Dennis Allen. Dennis Allen is obviously still the head coach of the New Orleans Saints, yeah. but they just got beat up pretty bad by the Rams, and it seems like he's on his way out. This is another option for us as we've been trying to find experience for these first time head coaches. And I think Frank Smith probably needs it more than anybody else. Yeah. Given the fact that he hasn't officially even called plays, even though he's the offensive coordinator in name. So Bevel, we already talked about then Dennis Allen as defensive coordinator. That's a very good OCDC pairing. Um, again, the GM, the GM candidates, the toughest part for me to figure out here. Yeah, so for those who don't know, uh, Daryl Bevel is currently in Miami with Frank Smith. So I think that also becomes more appealing because both of them have been around various offensive backgrounds. I think I envision Frank Smith as like a CEO type head coach. So I do think if you hire Frank Smith, I think you need to also pair him with a quality offensive coordinator who has called plays. You know, is that Daryl Bevel? I don't know, but he's the most experienced offensive coordinator we could find that was directly tied to him. So mm -hmm. I think the more appealing candidate here specifically for Frank is Dennis Allen. They obviously worked together from their days in New Orleans uh, before Dennis Allen was the Raiders uh, head coach. Frank was Frank and him were in New Orleans together. Then obviously Dennis went back to New Orleans and Frank did his own thing. Um, but if you could get Frank Smith and his offensive line physicality run game background and pair that with Dennis Allen and his just defensive line aggressive background. I think that again is, is an alignment mm -hmm. standpoint. So I think this could be maybe a bit of a step down from a, a holistic staff standpoint, but you get Frank Smith, Daryl Bevel, you can, you can really find a groove on offense and then you get Dennis Allen on defense too. Um, I think that'd be fantastic. It is harder to find like legitimate quality offensive coordinator candidates to pair with Frank Smith. But I do think it would be like his offense and his plan, similar to like a Nick Sirianni type. And then you just have to find a guy he's comfortable with to call plays. And I think that could be Daryl Bevel in this instance. Yeah. Other than maybe Jim Harbaugh, I think this is the best bet 
to bet on for the offensive line to either regain form or improve. Um, yeah. Or if the Chargers do try to go like alt or for Shanu in the draft or Brock Bowers, that's another like way to really kind of ensure that that pick hits and succeeds is with someone like Frank Smith. So, you know, everyone else, they have good systems, but they're good elsewhere. You know, I know Frank Smith and the Chargers can work, not necessarily the exact same players, right? Yeah. Zion and Jamar were after him, but I know he can get it together. And if any, if he can turn around the Dolphins, he can turn around, he can make me a starting caliber offensive lineman. So I think that is a very much so a plus for him. Yeah. And I think you would kind of keep some offensive continuity from a scheme standpoint around Justin Herbert. Um, Frank and Daryl Bevel obviously have a lot of ties to the West Coast, Sean Payton offense. And I think that might be, you know, not best suited for Justin Herbert. I, I don't think that's his best offense, but mm-hmm. he at least wouldn't have to learn like a completely new system. I think most of it would be pretty familiar for him. Mm-hmm. Um Quick question here. Is there a chance that they hire a GM first? Um, they're not heading into this search, I think, in, in any rush to hire either or. They're going to conduct both searches at the same time. And if they basically find a candidate that they love on either side, that's who they're going to hire first. I think that was um, reported from Tom Pelissero on the Rich Eisen mm-hmm. show. This is not going to be any kind of rushed process. They're going to play out both sides. Um, the only specific thing that we've gotten from the GM so far is from Ian Rappaport today that said that they want a more like forward thinking, uh, modern GM. So, you know, that's really the only thing we've gotten on either way. Yeah. All right. Bobby Slowick, very intriguing coaching staff and GM pairing here. Um, Adam Peters, he's the most popular GM name that I've seen Mm -hmm. online. He's, he's got a big personality. He's obviously done a great job rebuilding the San Francisco 49ers alongside Kyle Shanahan. So there's a lot of connections there. There's a lot of uh, resources that I think he would be able to tap into. He could also just be promoted from San Francisco and, and not even be available. He's been very picky about his decision to leave here. Um, but Tyler, what do you make of Mr. Adam Peters and his uh, candidacy? Yeah, he seems to be the most discussed guy. I think at least that we've talked about so far. A couple guys we'll talk about later, maybe. Um, what I really appreciate about the 49ers is they'll make a dumb draft pick or one that completely does not work out. And you really don't see them affected all that much by it. They really they find a way to just... Three first rounds for Trey Lance, <laughs> and it does not matter. No, and it does not matter. They they just find a way to keep rolling. Yeah. And they find, you know, your Fred Warner, your, your George Kittle, all these guys they find in the third, fourth, fifth, whatever rounds, these guys just are hits. Uh, the, the list of, of names is ridiculous. There is just such an impressive. And again, you don't officially know who made the call, but he's been a part of a team that has been aggressive, maybe to their detriment, I guess. But then they find themselves a Brock Purdy and here we go. Now they're going to, you know, probably be in the NFC championship and may or may not beat the Cowboys and head to the Super Bowl. I mean, they're just they're always good. The floor just seems to be so elevated. Yeah. Part of that's because of Shanahan, of course, but you got to find some of these guys too. And you also got to find some of these guys on defense. So to me, like Adam Peters, if you can bring some of that with him to the Chargers, you're feeling really good about these picks, especially because you know we've been dying for, you know, outside of your your Darius Davis here or a linebacker there, trying to find some of these like third, fourth, fifth rounders. Uh, with the 49ers, that ain't an issue. And some, of the, some of their best players are not yeah. the guys they take in the first round. Arguably, the first round is worse for them. 
So, <laughs> which whatever. It'll be a happens. different change for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd rather no, get six out of seven than one out of seven. Yeah, 100%. But you look at the connective tissue has been such an issue for the Chargers. And you look at the way that the 49ers roster has been built. Obviously, they have the stars, but they have guys like, obviously, Brock Purdy is kind of the, the poster boy for them right now of day three picks. But Talano Hufanga has turned into a star. Fred Warner has turned into a star. Juwan Jennings is a very reliable, serviceable uh, wide receiver three. Um, you know, Kyle Yushek was a day three pick. George Kittle was not a highly drafted player. You look at their offensive linemen that they're currently starting. I mean, uh, I forget his first name, but his last name is McKivitz. He, he's just kind of taken over for uh, at, at right tackle, and there's been, like, no issue. There's no, been no drop-off. You know, obviously Spencer Burford, the offensive lineman who we all kind of liked uh, from UTSA, has been a really reliable starting guard. So Adam Peters, whether it's fully his, you know, role or not, there's a very strong track record of success on day three. There's a very strong track record of like moving around the board and trading up and down. There's obviously, you know, the, the trades that they made in season, you know, they'll, they'll take swings on guys like Randy Gregory and chase young. And how often do we always say like, Oh man, they always get everybody. Well, a lot of it's because of Adam Peters and the work that he does. So um, this, this pairing, I know there are people out there who are not super high on Bobby Slowick as an, as a head coaching candidate. I think the pairing of him and Adam Peters would mitigate a lot of that because I would just really trust Adam Peters and the kind of roster that he would build. And I think a lot of the issues of the Houston offense are due to the lack of personnel up front, specifically along the offensive line. And I think mm-hmm. Adam Peters would be able to to pair with him and, and kind of overcome the, the risks of hiring Bobby Slowick. Yeah. Slowick is, by himself is, is not one of my top three favorites by any means, but you look at what he can bring with him. Everyone just sees, you know, Slovak as the first year coordinator for the Texans. And he is the first year coordinator for the Texans, but there's so much he can pull from, from his history, from different connections. Like he can make a pretty kick-ass grouping right here. Some people are saying this is their favorite four so far. And I don't blame them. You know, maybe you're kind of out on the first time head coach. And I totally get that, but the Chargers might go with the first time head coach. That calls plays on offense. And if Ben Johnson goes to Carolina or whatever and say Jim Harbaugh goes to Chicago, let's say that happens, then I kind of give up on the season. No, um, <laughs> then this would be an honestly a very good sort of best case scenario. Yeah. Um, not as a yeah. consolation prize, but was, was a pretty good group. This is definitely an instance where I think you would have to hire Adam Peters first for what it's worth. He is yeah. the hottest mm-hmm. GM name out there. He's turned down several uh, GM openings. The Cardinals tried to hire him last year, for example. So this is probably a situation where you hire him first and kind of let him take over the coaching search for what it's worth. Um, From a staff standpoint, um, Gerard Johnson is a guy the Chargers interviewed for the offensive coordinator position last year. He was with the Minnesota Vikings. He's now, is he the offensive coordinator in Houston? Uh, Quarterbacks coach, I believe. So he's the quarterbacks coach, but he's been with Bobby Slowick in Houston. Mm-hmm. and San Francisco where he got his coaching uh, start. So he's kind of considered a, a rising star in the profession. He's kind of considered like the next, you know, uh, you know, guy in the Shanahan world. He's been around, obviously, Kevin O'Connell and Kyle Shanahan and now Bobby Slowick. So he's the next one there. Um, Jacques Cesaire was, was a fun find. I didn't even realize <laughs> he was uh, coaching, let alone building like a very successful coaching career. So he is the current defensive line coach 
for the Houston Texans. I think he's been there for a few years. He also spent time in Buffalo working under Sean McDermott. So I, I think he genuinely is an intriguing defensive coordinator candidate. I think maybe, obviously, you could bring Chris Kasirik over from San Francisco. Chris Kasirik has been very picky about leaving. He loves Kyle Shanahan. He loves working there. So I, I think it is possible that Chris Kasirik, who we've mentioned a couple of times, ultimately just stays where he's at. Um, but Joxy's there, man. Like the work he's doing in Houston right now with that unit is is truly fantastic. The work he did with with uh, getting Ed Oliver's career started up in Buffalo was fantastic. He is mm-hmm. genuinely like a good defensive coordinator candidate, in my opinion. Yeah, he really is another trenches defensive line guy, and you know it's always fun to have the connections there. Cool yeah. that you found this one too. Like I, I honestly had no idea. And scrolling through all these, I was surprised how many people that were former players are coaches and like. Yeah picking out some of these random names. You never know who really gets into it. Um, so Cesare there is great. Gerard Johnson, there might be better like pass game coordinator options out there who maybe seem like they're more like game plan, you know, again, pass game coordinator specific. But I think Gerard Johnson, because Bobby Slowick is calling plays and he doesn't need someone to be calling plays as an offensive coordinator, what you got to do is make sure that Justin Herbert's taken care of. And I think Gerard Johnson is, is a great call for that one. Yeah, you know, Brian Greasy, as Hallowed Jake points out, that, that could be an option as well. I would be more inclined towards Gerard Johnson, just Brian Greasy. I don't really know how much influence he's had in San Francisco. He's only been there for a year or two, I think. Um, and this is his first two years coaching. So I'm a little bit more inclined for Gerard Johnson, who's been in the NFL for, you know, seven, eight years at this point in time. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to our next one here. Uh, Mike McDonald, I think objectively is the one that I have the most difficult time with from a coaching staff standpoint, but at the same time, you get the idea of potentially bringing in Joe Hortiz, the assistant general manager for the Baltimore Ravens, who's been in Baltimore for a very, very long time. And Mike McDonald's been in Baltimore for a very long time. Obviously he went to Michigan for that, you know, cup of coffee, if you will. So Tyler, what about it about Mike McDonald can maybe help you kind of overcome the the coaching staff standpoint when you're pairing him with Joe Hortiz. Are you asking me what about McDonald specifically or I guess just your thoughts about like the uh the four that we can pair with for Mike McDonald. Well these four would be freaking awesome. Uh McDonald <laughs> obviously is a we've talked about is a very 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 good coordinator great background um chargers reddit i i I believe that mcdonald's a very very good candidate we were just specifically (laughs) talking about him in terms of the chargers where we prefer to go offense but mcdonald is awesome and i apologize for not knowing if it's hortiz or hortiz somebody let me know but the ravens you want to talk about a complete 180 from tom telesco that's kind of what the ravens have been doing we talked about on the chargers channel chargers only seven comp picks since 2014 ravens 22 of them the Ravens do it. And someone asked me a few years ago too, if you weren't a fan of the Chargers and you didn't know about like their job being a fan of the Raiders or whatever, who would you be a fan of? And the Ravens is one of the teams I brought up because I just love what they do from a front office standpoint, from a general manager standpoint, their player acquisition, how they do certain things. It's awesome. And again, you want to talk about consistency. You know, the Ravens are such a consistent team year after year. Sure, they have their bumps and bruises, but they're always pushing for the postseason. They're always a good team. A lot of that's Harbaugh, of course, but a lot of it's also just great, great general managing over the course of, of decades and decades and decades. So um, really like him. Sharon Moore, the only reason we have him here 
Whereas we could have gotten someone like Bobby Ingram or God help us, Greg Roman, um, James Urban and these other guys. The only reason we went with him is that if Jim Harbaugh stays at Michigan and more does want to make a jump forward, which is sort of now blocked because if, if Harbaugh stays and he's in his current role, then more could go to the NFL with Mike McDonald, who they did work together and become the offensive coordinator. And now you're talking about a very strong trenches unit, offensive line, tight ends, that sort of thing. That would be great. And then Chris Hewitt, I believe, is the defensive backs coach for yeah. the Ravens. And they kick ass. Give me give me that <laughs> Kyle Hamilton stuff that they've been doing and what they've been doing in the secondary over there. Um, they connected. Him and McDonald have been together. I think McDonald was like the quote-unquote lesser role all the way back in 2014, but they've been together for a very, very long time. Yeah, I think Chris Hewitt would probably go with him if McDonald went over here to the Chargers. Yeah, there was a story that Mike McDonald and Chris Hewitt have been like planning for the days that one of them can call plays and one of them is like a head coach and like the two of them would effectively just like, you know, project towards the future and talk about like ph philosophies and coaching decisions and teaching moments and stuff like that. So the two of them have a great relationship. I think that that pairing is a no-brainer. Offensive coordinator is very tricky for me here. Um, Sharon Moore, I think, objectively would be a good candidate. I would be a little bit worried about, like, the college offense jumping to the NFL offense. I'm 100% uninterested, completely uninterested in what Greg Roman would bring as an offensive coordinator. <laughs> if that is the choice yeah. for offensive coordinator, I'm very concerned, regardless of how I feel about the head coaching candidate, be it Mike McDonald or Jim Harbaugh. So, you know, Bobby Ingram, I think, is a little bit more interesting, but... It, it, it's tough to find like quality offensive coaches that have strolled through the Ravens, which just makes their run uh, over the last <laughs> few years just like that much more impressive because they mm -hmm. they've never really had like an elite high end offensive coaching staff. So it is a concern of mine in general for Mike McDonald. That being said, you you pair him a guy with 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 Joe Hortiz or Hortiz or however you say it, and I think you can really kind of mitigate that. It just gives you more connection. So. It's tough to find a guy directly tied to Mike McDaniel that I'm like, or Mike McDonald, excuse me. I almost called him Mike McDaniel. Um, it's tough to find a guy directly tied to him, but I think his connections, Hortz's connections could help him yeah. overcome that in general in the future. Yeah. And again, it, there's probably other better candidates out there for just for this exercise but with direct connections, but I'm, I'm sure people would line up for this job too. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, uh, Mr. Brian Callahan, I mentioned him yesterday as somebody who's really uh, moved up my list recently. I would be really fired up for this, this staff personally. Um, GM Trey Brown, who is a senior personnel executive there in Cincinnati. The, the Bengals have a notoriously small uh, front office, so he's, he's worn a lot of hats for them. He's also been um, the director of an AAF team as well as an XFL team, so his his experience is really diverse. He supposedly has a lot of buzz inside the NFL for a GM job. So I think this pairing could make a lot of sense here. Um, but Tyler, what did you make of uh, Trey Brown when you looked into him a little bit more? Uh, you know, I don't know if I was the biggest fan of, of this particular <laughs> pairing and Trey Brown overall. Sure. Um, Jamar Chase, great pick. Uh, you know, it was either that or Sewell, and I think you would have been fine either way. And the, yeah. the Bengals are currently fine. Um, some of the acquisitions like Jackson Carmen did not work out like four snaps in the last two seasons as your second round pick to protect Joe Burrow. As I kind of discussed previously, the lack of protection overall around Joe Burrow is a bit concerning. 
and watching the Chargers current offensive line situation and then you know, the, the Bengals offensive line situation and how they really haven't found a consistent way to protect Joe Burrow is a bit concerning. But some stuff like, okay, they lost. Oh, who was it? I forget which edge rusher they lost, but then they bring in like Trey Hendrickson. And I think they improved significantly with that particular signing. I think it was cheaper at the time than there was extension, but it could be wrong. Point is, at the time, it was very much like above um, what they paid for, basically getting more there. So solid there, but the staff is like fine. I, I don't really love the grouping overall. You know, even the Bengals offense, it's a tough, it's a, it's a tough year for Brian Callahan, who I think would have been a better what? candidate. I disagree with that, like pretty strongly. I mean, the man has had Drake, Jake Browning be the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. It's not like a great, like, I guess that's okay, kind of up his resume I got you. too. I got you. I miss yeah, yeah, yeah. but it hasn't been like the full Joe Burrow experience. Sure. Anyway. I got you what you're saying. I thought you were saying that like, it's a bad look whereas no I, no no no, no. yeah, yeah. just like a tougher bad. year like you want to have like this, this sort of crescendo to like hey look at my top three offense here we go you know yeah. and johnson the host a playoff game and here it is like that sort of thing or this year gotcha. you can boost his stock based on what he's done with browning but it's, it's like a tougher year for him yeah i get you I, I misunderstood that point so offensive coordinator i think he has a few interesting options uh troy walters is their wide receiver coach he's as as an alternate guy i think is really interesting Dan Pitcher as a quarterbacks coach is somebody that I was very interested in in potentially being the offensive coordinator this year under Brandon Staley and obviously did not come to fruition. And then Dennis Allen, um, James Betcher, or however you say that, I apologize, uh, I think is their, is he their linebacker coach right now? He is. Uh, he's currently their linebackers coach and then was previously a defensive coordinator for the Giants and Cardinals. Yeah. So some experience there. I think that could be interesting. Um this is probably one of the lower ones that I think people would be interested in, but I would be excited about this. I think in an alternate universe, you could get Brian Callen and Frank Smith together and just like, let's go, let's go ham together. But um, unfortunately that's probably not the case. So I think this is an interesting group. I don't think that this becomes one of my favorite pairings, but at the same time, Brian Callahan has been in a lot of different places. GM Trey Brown has been in a lot of different places. So, this is probably more of a external uh, hiring process for, mm -hmm. for coordinator candidates than, than previous connections. Yeah, I think so. For the sake of time, we didn't get to any other candidates. It would have been another hour of other tier three guys. And sure. so, um, sorry, no Mike Tomlin, no Bill Belichick, <laughs> no Brian Flores. Raheem Morris. We already know who Bill Belichick would hire. Like it's going to be his son. <laughs> it's going to be Josh McDaniels. It's going to be somebody yeah. else in New England as GM. Yeah. But. Yeah. So one of the ones I, I is not really a great like coaching candidate out there for, but I would have loved to like when we talk to. So we're going to talk to some people and have people on our show in the future and the Chargers channel talking about GM candidates. And I think that's when we'll get into more of some of the names that people are missing, like yeah. Eagles, you know, front office guys, Chiefs, Browns. Etc. So we'll get into those more, but these are the connections to the current candidates. Yeah, like there, there are definitely other GM candidates worth talking about. I think Ian Cunningham for me is one of the more attractive options. He's the the Bears' assistant general manager. There's Andy Weidel in Pittsburgh. There's there's other ones for sure. Um, Spytech, I think his name down in Tampa Bay. Um, so there are other ones that we'll discuss. But again, we wanted to kind of you know, uh, do an exercise where we paired these guys all together with people. And, um, I think it, it's a pretty interesting exercise. Tyler was there 
a grouping that you liked more than the other ones or was there a, a kind of a, a tie for you or, or what's kind of your, your favorite pairing that we found tonight? Um, I really did like Ben Johnson's grouping overall. I think that it was just a great way to find good people in the business who have done it for a very long time. Um, not head coaches necessarily, but some more experienced than just the, we're going to get the DBs coach. And that's kind of like the defensive yeah. coordinator. No, we've got associate head coach. We've got um, interim head coach on offense that sort of stuff. So just, I really liked that grouping overall. I think that's my favorite four, maybe only because Harbaugh's grouping was tougher to find for offensive coordinators, but I think that can be remedied by who they end up actually hiring. Yeah. But for the sake of this exercise, I didn't love like Pep Hamilton at OC as much as somebody else. Yeah, that's totally fair. I think Harbaugh probably could put together the best staff, but with his direct connections, I think it's probably, a bit of a, a stretch, but I, I do agree with the chat. I think my favorite pairing uh, that we or that we formed was the Bobby Slowick and Adam Peters one. Mm-hmm. I think that gives you a really good foundation of you know building a strong roster. You know, head coach obviously has worked with him. The the GM would understand the kind of players that he would need. I think from an alignment standpoint, that would be my favorite. I'm really interested in Gerard Johnson as an offensive coordinator candidate. Jacques mm-hmm. there, so. There's a lot of resources in that Shanahan tree that are untapped, and obviously we're seeing how that has gone around the league. So um, it's an interesting group, but I do think Harbaugh has just an unbelievable amount of resources. Him and Dodds together would be sick. Yeah, it really would be. And that's that's probably the best like head coach GM candidate um, pairing there. But yeah, Slowick for me, again, I, I didn't love him initially, but he's starting to slowly creep up for me. He'll never break a, a certain tier just because he's it's the first year he's been an offensive coordinator. But what he can bring with him and the fact that the Texans and CJ Stroud look really freaking good, um, he's moved up for me for sure. Yeah, and he could uh, be two and zero with Case Keenum potentially tomorrow. So, holy cow, pretty crazy. Case Keenum being it's crazy, man. The amount of backup quarterbacks we have to watch on a weekly basis uh, is insane. Shout out to Easton Stick. I do want to should say that. Shout out to Easton Stick. I thought he made some throws tonight. Mm-hmm. He's he's improved a lot. I know people, there's a lot of negative feelings out there towards Easton Stick. I thought he played objectively well tonight, made some good throws. The pressure is pocket presence is still an issue. He's barely played. I could think that's gonna happen, but he made some great throws tonight. Yeah, last week was a bit more garbage time, but if you told me he threw for almost 500 yards and had four total touchdowns the last couple of games, I hey, that's that's pretty freaking good. Like I'm I'm impressed by what he's doing in the backup situation. Again, like you said, the pack, the pocket management stuff ain't great. Uh, I think there's three or four times a game where it's like, please throw it, please throw it, please throw it sack. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, it, it yeah. I was I was impressed, honestly. The fact that it's not just this complete shell, hand it off, throw a screen, throw a slant, and that's it kind of offense is impressive. So I, I think we should give him his flowers, even though he's 0-2 and it hasn't been great. It hasn't been terrible either. Yeah, for sure. All right, you guys. I uh, appreciate you uh, tuning in tonight. Hopefully, you had a, a, a good time, you know, joining us on this exercise. Uh, it is obviously Christmas Eve Eve, so hopefully, everybody has a wonderful weekend celebrating Christmas tomorrow and on Monday. Uh, Tyler and I and the rest of the Guilty as Charged crew wish you guys a very happy holidays. Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out of here? Happy holidays. Be good. Uh, the Chargers are playing the Broncos next. Hopefully, we don't lose our next quarterback. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, appreciate you for tuning in. Appreciate all the support. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of the weekend. That's going to do it for us. We'll see you next time. As always, bolt up. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.